Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We know that we are just a day away from some reports. We've got some big reports coming out this week. And then markets are obviously going to continue to talk about them leading up to that 11 o'clock hour. And then, of course, the reaction that we're going to see right away. Now, of course, we don't have a crystal ball to be able to look into to know what that 1101 is going to be like. But there are some things that we need to think about. And we're going to talk a little bit about all these reports, what it's going to mean short term, long term, etc. As Brian Split joins us, he is with agmarket.net. And this June report, I think, Brian, always weighs a little bit heavier on the trade than, than other reports. Well, a lot of times, uh, you know, we'll find out that we planted more acres than we thought. Um, there's been several years where the USDA will, will find bushels through the stocks report. Uh, that typically happens in the more well-supplied years. So uh, we, we've got a lot of moving parts on this report, and it's you know, several moving parts for each individual commodity. Um, And then you talk about how, you know, you could have a bullish report for one commodity and a bearish report for the next commodity and which one will override the other. But, um, you know, there's going to be a focus on on acres. Um, You know, just to to put it bluntly here, um, the the difference in production between the low-end estimate for acres and the uh, upper end estimate for acres, just using USDA's trend line yield, equates to about 627 million bushels. Um, so, you know, that's what's at stake when you just look at the, the estimates on corn acres. That does not even uh, begin to talk about the quarterly stocks. And again, um, there's some, some signals from the market right now that maybe the corn stocks are tighter than we think for old crop. Uh, when you look at this July-December spread, the July-September spread, making new highs today as we go into delivery, um, soybeans are not doing that, right? So soybeans, and you look at that spread, that spread is nearly $2 off of its high that was made in January. Um, and so the, the thought is that maybe there's some more old crop beans around than we think, and maybe there's less old crop corn around than we think. So having said that, obviously nothing, we're not going to know final numbers until that report comes out this week. But looking at that, what do you see as what some of these potential outcomes could be when we look at the acreage numbers and stocks? Well, so uh, we can look at each one individually. And, and just to give you know the listeners a sense of, of how volatile things can continue to be over the next 30, 45 days, uh, you could conceivably get a bearish acreage number for corn. Um, and so, again, the USDA is at 91.1. Um, the highest acreage estimate out there uh, for the pre-report estimates is 95.8 million acres. And so if the USDA were to, to give us a number like that, and it's not the number I think we're going to get, I think that's way too high. Um, I think we've got most of the principal crop acres accounted for, and, and in order for corn acres to increase that much, it's going to have to come from something else. Uh, I don't know with, with where input costs are you know, late in the season if we were able to garner that many more corn acres, but just I, I won't put it past the USDA to, to give us a number like that, so we've got to be prepared for it. But you know, something like that number on a trend line yield um, would take you up to a, a 2.1 billion bushel carryout. Um, and so you could conceivably get a, a bearish corn report because of all these acres. And then in July, you're going to have WASDI use that new acreage number 
do they change yield in, in July? Generally, they don't. Uh, they have before in, in 2012 they did because of the drought. They did in 2019 because of the extensive flooding. Uh, generally, they reserve July uh, yield changes for um, very aggressive June weather. And I think we can all agree that there's been some aggressive June weather in portions of the country, but in other portions of the country, we're looking at potential record crops. So I don't know if we if we deviate from trend yield in July. So if you get a big acreage number uh, and using a trend line yield on the July WASDE report, you could have a very bearish report just a month later uh, in, in August when the USDA does typically start to revise yield. Uh, you know, you could throw in different numbers. I, last year was a really good crop. It wasn't a record crop, but uh, 172.27. You get a yield like that on, on a big acreage number of 95.8, and you're right back, right back down to a 1.5 type of a carryout. Um, so yield is still extremely important, and, and maybe we do see the acres go up a little bit. I think the the average estimate is very close to agmarket.net's estimate. So we had submitted 93.6. The average guess is 93.8. Um, if you just use that 93.6 number, um, and, and instead of using the USDA's trend yield, let's just use you know the previous record of 176.5. Uh, even with the extra acres, you're still hanging around a 1.5 carryout. Uh, if, the, if the yield drops back down to that 172 number we were talking like last year, now you're at a 115 carryout. The carryout would actually drop 200 million bushels even on an increase in acres. So I, I think you're going to continue to see an extreme amount of volatility over the next 30 to 45 days as we really figure all this out. So can we say that the if the acreage numbers are higher, it may alleviate a little bit of pressure on these producers as they look at the big global picture and know the struggles, for example, that are happening in South America? Right, so you know we know about the uh, the dryness on the uh, the Brazil safrina corn crop. Uh, as of late, there's been talk about the uh, the frost that uh, might have nipped some of the yield off of there, and it's hard to tell how much damage was done. Um, but uh, that's definitely part of the the conversation on this recent rally, you know, leading up to uh, to today. But I think a lot of that was was priced into the market yesterday. Um, but uh, when you when you look at the idea of, of adding acres, that does um, you know give us a little bit of cushion. Um, I guess the the question then is, well, what if the acres don't go up as much as everybody thinks? What if most of these principal crop acres are accounted for? Right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as part two's around the corner. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue this conversation with Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net. And I had a question come in from a listener, and I know it turned into an interesting conversation for us during the commercial break, was ethanol fears with the refiner waivers easing. Is that something as a corn producer they should be worried about? Right. And so, Susan, I think, um, you know, my answer to that is that there's, several things that can pop up at any time uh, that can turn this market around that may not have, you know, may not be anything that we're really paying attention to day to day, like weather and like tomorrow we've got this report. Um, And so I'm a a big believer that when you've got the the price levels that we are sitting at currently, um, that any unpriced bushels should have puts under them. Um, And it's because of things like you had mentioned you know, we saw the type of price action that we saw a couple weeks ago when 
the uh, talk about the potential for waivers or you know action relief from the administration. What it did to soybeans, what it did to soybean oil, what it did to RINs, what it did to the, the corn. Um, we saw a little over a year ago what what COVID obviously did to the market. And you know you look around the world right now, and and I can't say confidently that in three months from now or four months from now or what you know down the road as we get into fall that we're still going to be enjoying the same freedoms that we have right now. Uh, you got a lot of countries that are going backwards. The media is obviously really playing up this, this Delta variant and now it's Delta plus and I, I who knows where we're going to be in three months, four months, five months. Um, do, do we see, you know, things going back towards lockdown? I don't know. Um, you know, so you've got a lot of other countries that are still on lockdown. You look north of the border of Canada. It's like, holy cow, you know, they're in a completely different scenario than we are. Why can't we go back to that? And so there's, there's things like that. Um, there's things like how the administration treats the, the request uh, from the refiners. You know, we had the Supreme Court ruling, um, you know, is that something, is that a conversation that we're going to be having more earnestly down the road that impacts values? Um, so, yes, it is something that you should be thinking of because we saw how aggressively the market traded when those headlines came out previously. So having said that, I'll switch gears a little bit to the livestock side of it. How much is tomorrow's report going to weigh in on this cattle market? Obviously, we know it's going to, but to what extent should we see some nervousness in this trade? Well, it, it looks to me like both the live cattle and the feeder cattle have been really just consolidating, um, and and we've been doing that uh, for the last oh, week and a half to two weeks right now. You look at this August live cattle contract, and we're still holding these lows that were made um, on last week's lows. I would be concerned if after the uh, the report tomorrow, the August live candle live cattle found themselves on the other side of 120. Um, if that were the outcome, I think we'd probably go back and revisit the late April, early May lows down in the 116s. Um, on the flip side, if, if whatever the, the report says, uh, you know, holds support here, I think we'll go back up and be looking at, at potentially new contract highs on, on this August live cattle. And I, I think it's probably about the same thing when you look at the, the feeder market. Uh, we've been consolidating in a, in a pretty nice trading range here over the last week and a half since mid-month. Um, this market is, is respecting the downtrend off the highs over the trade the last couple of days. So when you see August jump up near 160, uh, you, you continue to see selling there against, against good technical resistance. But we're continuing to see buying in the in the uh, you know the 155, 156 area on support, and I would venture to say that if this market gets what it wants to see out of the the corn data, um, that uh, we could see this market punch to new contract highs. But if if we get a, a, a bullish corn report and, and the corn futures are running higher, I wouldn't be surprised to see feeders go right back down towards this uptrend. You know, maybe in the the 150 to 151 area here over the next couple of days. So um, it seems like that all these markets are just primed and ready to go. They're coiling, and, and I would expect some big moves as we finish the quarter and get into the beginning part of the third quarter. Well, we're going into a holiday weekend with Fourth of July this weekend. Having said that. How much of that is going to have a hiccup in the processing of these cattle and hogs alike? Well, I think the um, this is nothing new to uh, the processors. Um, they've dealt with holiday trade before. You're going to see your, your normal disruptions when things are closed for a day, but I don't think it's anything that's going to be 
something that impacts the the, the marketplace. Uh, it's, it's not like we don't know that the holiday is coming up. Now, if you get something to happen over the holiday weekend, similar to what happened over Memorial Day, where you get a, a hack of JBS or, or something of that sort, that's where you're going to get some kind of aggressive market movement um, from something that's unexpected. But I don't think just having the holiday happen really means anything to the market. All right, sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? Uh, best way to get a re- uh, hold of me is uh, 815-665-0463. That's the direct line. You can reach anybody at agmarket.net at 844-4AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. And uh, check us out online at www.agmarket.net. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.